Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very, very special episode of Business Growth Secrets. You're here with your host, Adam Stott. I've got a super guest with me today that's had a very, very interesting career that's uh, gone and done some amazing different things. And we're going to be talking today to Richard Black. Uh, Richard is a former journalist and broadcaster. He's a currently a property investor, um, a successful property investor at that. And he's also now a podcaster. So I'm really, really <laughs> keen to hear about the twists and turns of that career, you know, and, and really uncover some business growth secrets today. So welcome on, Richard. Welcome. How are you? You good? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It really is. Thank you. Oh, brilliant. I can't wait to begin. So, Richard, why don't we just kick off by maybe talking about, you know, your career path. And uh, I'm always a big believer in how you change is how you succeed. And of course, you've you've had a really successful career in journalism, working for BBC, many other TV uh, companies and networks. And then you've gone off and you got really deep involved in property investments. I'm keen to hear about how that happened. And of course, then this current podcasting uh, movement that you're starting as well. So why don't you tell us where it all started and, you know, some of the, you know, the key things for you in terms of, of, of growing your career over the years? Oh, where did it start? It started, I suppose, when I was, heavens, in my early teens. Um, I, for some reason, always ended up connected to broadcasting in some way, whether uh, one of my best friends at, at middle school was a chap called Jamie Treacher who at the time in the mid-80s, his dad was Bill, is Bill Treacher, who was the actor at the time, who was the character of Arthur Fowler in EastEnders. Oh, and we right. were thinking, yeah, we were, we, and of course, at the time, EastEnders was huge. I mean, it's big now, but I mean, back then when you only had four channels, mm-hmm. EastEnders would regularly achieve 20 million viewers. An episode, it was the time of Den and Angie, those big storylines that still crop up every now and again today. So, so Jamie and I were thick as thieves, and, and I always got dragged along to these things that his dad would be releasing balloons with a group of local school children or, you know, opening fates and, and things. And so, so there was that. And I always, you know, Jamie and I, like I say, were thick as thieves at middle school, but then we, we parted because. He went to a different high school and, and just, you know, when you're a kid, things move on. Um, 
I got asked to join the school choir and the first within the first fortnight we bizarrely ended up on BBC Songs of Praise. Mm-hmm. And it was a again, it was a blink and you miss it moment, but there I was. It's actually quite important though. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, absorbing a, a, a camera. Um mm. then I I you know, I, I went off and did high school and, and and it wasn't cool to be a performer at high certainly at my high school. Um so I, I kind of brushed this desire to be in front of a micro- microphone away. Um, and at that time, I I really enjoyed uh, designing things and creating things, more so property-led. Um, I loved my design classes and, and things like that. So I always thought I wanted to be an architect. Went off and did A-levels and failed miserably at A-levels. I was terrible a really good O-level results, GCSEs, uh, sort of two A's, four B's and four C's. But A-levels was a disaster. I hated it. Um, and I went to see the careers advisor at, at, high, at uh, Sixth Form College and said to her, I remember to this day, I said, you know, I wanted to go into broadcasting. And she just looked at me. She was just sort of, I, don't, I suppose she would have been in her mid to late 50s at the time, grey hair. It was a poor choice of fashion. Um, and uh, and uh, she looked at me and she said, well, I went to school with Esther Ranson and you have to be that sort of person to be in that sort of industry. You're not it. Go and do something more conventional. So what you're saying is there's a few things, you know, already like first and foremost, being in an environment and around people, you said around your, you know, uh, your Arthur Fowler, that kind of gets you seeing a different world doesn't it and opens up yeah. a bit of desire and a lot of people don't realize that but when you're around people that are successful and you see a different way of life that gets you pretty dulled in you know of course then having somebody tell you you can't do something people can take two choices there they can choose to embrace that negativity and that fear or they can choose to rebel against it of course i'm sure that you chose to rebel that's why we're here right eventually so, yeah. <laughs> how did that impact you you know how did it impact you somebody saying hey you can't do this Richard like what what did that because I had that the same I honestly had yeah. the same thing I was basically I never like I say Adam I, I never forgot the words as you know we're sitting here now 30 years on and I still have that woman's image in my head of her telling me and the way it was the way she told me she she appeared to imply that I was not of any worth or or significant enough to go into this sort after job or this sort after industry that just wasn't for me, and it riled me. Yeah, but I I stupidly listened to her, and um, I went off. I left A levels, couldn't go to university, couldn't couldn't be an architect. I did not want to go into education for seven years, which is what at the time you needed to do to be an architect. So I went and did what I think was probably the worst but best decision I made because it it it, it filed down what I know I didn't want to do. I went to work for a building society. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really good at my job. I was brilliant. The customers loved me. I sold all sorts of products, home insurance, current accounts. I was brilliant. My area manager used to say to me, you are the one of the most influential and productive people in, in my area. Um, 
again, I was so bored. Um, I, it was just, I was good at it, but it was rubbish. And the only reason I did it was because it's what my dad had done for 25 years. And it's all I knew. Um, it, it, it delivered him a secure income. It had delivered us a lovely home. Um, and I thought that's what you wanted at 18. I thought I was going to go off and find somebody to marry and buy fast growing fir trees in a garden center on a weekend and, you know, drag the vacuum cleaner around and go on my two weeks holiday a year. Um, that was what I thought life was going to be going forward. Um, and then it, I just couldn't, I couldn't carry on. And I went to, I left there and I went to work for a big insurer. And I worked in the marketing department, which created the pretty brochures. And again, I thought I was in a glam job. I thought, you know, I'm not in a call center for this big insurance company. I'm, I'm, I'm in a, a decent job. I'm in where people are creative and it's good and it's fun. And I can remember sitting in that office of about 100 people and I looked up the office on a, it was about half past three on a Friday afternoon. Not one person had a smile on their face. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm in what is known as the grammar school graveyard. This was one of these big city employers who sucked people in out of their high school days, uh, you know, age 16. And 40 years later, you would get spat out with your pension scheme and your savings plan and good luck. Um, and and the, the, the intervening 40 years was, you know... <laughs> You look over your shoulder and where did it go kind of thing. Yeah. And I thought, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do it. And I handed in my notice the next week. I had nothing to go to. Um, I, had, I had about two grand saved in the bank account. I had um, a little sports car that my wages had bought me. I was into my clothes. I had a lovely, you know. Um, and I thought, you know what, stuff this. And I... I purchased a ticket to Australia. I got my visa. I was just in, under the age of 22 at the time. So I was welcomed as a you know potential citizen of Australia. Um, and I went on a working visa around Australia. My colleagues at, at that insurance company thought I was nuts. They looked at me when I handed in my notice as if to say, have you gone absolutely barking mad? We give you a pension scheme. We give you 20 days holiday a year. We give you a savings plan and you're just going to throw it all away and book a Japan Airlines flight to Sydney. And I was like, yeah, I, I can't do this. This is not me. Um, and I got on that plane and I had nothing but 25 kilos of luggage. and. Um, a cheap t ticket, believe me, it was, you know, the seat was about the size of a handkerchief. Um, and I flew for a, for 18 hours to Japan, stopped over in Japan, sat there for 10 hours, got on and then flew to Cairns in north, northern Australia, northern Queensland. And I thought, you know what, stuff this. I've come this far. And I started knocking on the doors of TV companies now, your listeners in Australia will know that every state and every kind of region in a state has its own TV company. It has, the, it has your Channel 7, 9 and 10 and the ABC and I think there was an SBS back then. But each one has its own centre in Cairns and Brisbane because the country is so big, um, every, every little city, if you like, had its own station 
um, of that affiliate, um, of that bigger broadcaster. So I just went knocking on doors and I knocked on every radio station door in Cairns and I knocked on every door of the TV companies and they said no. And I went then, got a bus ticket down to Brisbane, which again was about a three-day journey on a coach, um, and did the same thing again in Brisbane. And that was where things shifted. Um, first of all, the, I, I'd found Australia quite hard. I, I found the people quite unforgiving. Um, and I don't know whether it was just because I was another gold-digging pommy hoping to, you know, where the... I mean, it's worth really knowing, especially for the audience, what makes you keep knocking on doors when you get a no? How do you... I mean, you know, I understand I've been in exactly similar situations in my life where literally your persistence and funnily enough i was watching a great film the other night um which i don't know if you've seen it yet or not the film king richard um about venus and serena williams dad ah yes did exactly the i've same heard thing. of it yeah i've not seen it, it yet knocked yeah. on doors knocked on doors knocked on doors knocked on doors got face slammed non-stop but he just had no intention of ever giving up till he got what he wanted. And typically, if you don't give up, you do get what you want, right? So what made you keep going? When I don't know. As you're asking me that now. It was just this, I'd come this far feeling, Richard, you have just travelled across a planet to be here. Um, you need to take a few more steps, a few more pushes. You need to shape how you're approaching these people or these organizations. And maybe, just maybe, you can lever something into one of them. Um, so, yeah, there I was in Brisbane in a youth hostel, um, living in a bunk bed. I mean, you know, I had nothing. Um, my credit card had been ripped off by the company that I'd, um, I'd bought the bus ticket through. Uh, I got this credit card statement that showed I was about £12,000 of fraudulent transactions. Everything was going wrong. Everything. I'd come on this idyllic journey to this fantastic location. There was palm trees. It was warm and sunny. And I, I, it, I was, God, I was on the back, back side of my, my, my life. I really was. I was alone as well um and anyway i and i'll always remember in brisbane all of the tv stations were on at the time on this road called mount kutha uh there was seven nine and ten channel seven nine and they were all in a line on this road well i'm little richard from norfolk i had no idea how big australia was and the giveaway was in the road name, Mount Cooper. It was a blooming mountain. It was a great big, and of course, quite naturally, you would think, of course, TV antennas have to be on the highest point to get the biggest broadcast reach. Well, of course, I got this, I started walking, didn't I, up this mountain from my youth hostel. I got halfway and I rung for a taxi. I didn't realise this was so big. And again, I was going, I was like, right, Richard, no, you come out here to do this today. You are doing this. You are not going to stop until you get something. And I walked into the ABC on Mount Cooper in Brisbane. No, 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 we've got nothing for you. I walked into Channel 9 on Mount Cooper in Brisbane. No, 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 we've got nothing for you. In the end, I went to Channel 7, never got to 10. Um, and I, I went to Channel 7 and the receptionist was a bit of a 
bit brittle um, with me. And I stood there. I said, hello, I'd like to speak to the head of your newsroom, please. And she said, oh, he's not available. Um, I said, I'm sorry, somebody must be available. It's a television newsroom. Somebody's in there. She said, well, I, I can't let you in. I said, no, no, no. I've, I said, I'm sorry, madam. I've just come across. I'm going to be transparent with you. I've come across an entire planet to be here. I've just walked up a mountain. <laughs> I am not leaving until I have seen somebody from your newsroom. And unless you want to manhandle me out, I'm not going anywhere. And she really looked at me glazed. And she said, hang on a minute. And um, out came... I don't know, some guy from the newsroom. I can picture him. I can't remember his name. And I said, look, hello, I'd like to work in broadcasting. I'd like to work in journalism. Here I am. I've come from England. I accept I, it won't be a paid job. Please, could I spend some time in your newsroom? Um, he said, yeah, all right. <laughs> I said, he said, yeah, okay. Come here for a week next week. He said, you'll be photocopying the scripts. Uh, you'll be making tea. You'll be doing you'll be emptying bins mate but you'll see how it works here um we'll get you to do some stuff it's fine do you know that following week i met some of the most wonderful people again i can picture them i can't remember their names and they were so kind to me at channel seven in brisbane uh they had this program called today tonight which is basically their regional output for their their, their regional news and it was such good fun and the team on it was so lovely but they said at the end you know we've only got this week, you know, we, we, we haven't got a paid job for you. I'm sorry. But at the time, Chan Channel 7 was funding a new uh, venture in Sydney called, or part funding, called Sky News Australia. Mm. And so I think, right, you know what, grab it, Richard, and run. And I grabbed what I could and uh, took from them what I could. And I got on that bus and, again, got on a seven-day journey down to Blooming Sydney, stopping off at Byron Bay on the way and the Gold Coast and all the rest of it. I turned up with my rucksack in Sydney and I went to see Sky News Australia. I, I, I rang, actually. I rang John Holmes, chap called John Holmes, who at the time was executive producer of Home and Away. Global phenomena, home and away, sold to about 120 customers, uh, countries. And he rung me back. I'll never forget he rung me. John Holmes, the executive producer of Home and Away, rung me back. And I said, how do I get into this, John? And he said, get known. He said, use my name. He said, it's fine. I like you. Get known. Go and see Channel 7. Go and see Sky News. I went to see Sky News. And they said, yeah, we'll take you on. We've got a program that we're going to make uh, for the next three weeks, actually, called Viewpoint, which is a current affairs program. Uh, presenter was called John Gatfield, and I ended up being a researcher for three weeks in Sky News Australia, in French's Forest, Sydney. Um, and amazingly, by sheer coincidence, the executive producer of Sky News Australia was a guy called Angelo Frangopoulos. Um, I'm going, like I say, I'm going back 20-odd years who is now the executive producer of GB News, the new news channel in the UK. So that shows you what a circle life can be. I then left that three weeks. I went to become a production runner on Home and Away for Channel 7 at Palm Beach. Again, I spent a week producing, pr printing scripts, making tea for actors on Home and Away, 
left and thought, you know, I've got from this what I can. I've loved Australia. I've hated Australia. I've loved Australians. I've hated some of you. Um, and I came home within a week. I was answering the phones at BBC local radio. Um, and within three weeks, I got my first full-time job as a researcher at ITV, uh, the regional ITV here, ITV Anglia. And there I stayed for two years. And then I went off to become a reporter at Central Television in Nottingham. Uh, then I got made redundant or took redundancy when they got taken over by Granada or merged with Granada and they closed the site in Nottingham and moved it all to Birmingham. Came back to Nor Norfolk and I ended up at BBC local radio and I ended up presenting the news on um, radio across eight different BBC counties. Um, and that was my broadcasting journey. And then I went to Television Centre and ended up a producer for BBC News Channel and the BBC Breakfast for BBC One. Uh, I, in, in, in between times, I ended up as a producer for ITV's Trisha Goddard programme, the daytime chat show, which was later to be replaced by um, Jeremy Kyle. Um, so it was a real, uh, and do you know what? When I was chasing those jobs, when I was chasing those BBC jobs, Adam, when I was chasing those jobs that people, you know, I was told at the BBC at the time, we don't have to give you a job, but we could advertise this and 3,000 people would apply. Yeah. Um, and I thought, no, do you know what? The more no's I got past, the law of averages said I'll get to a yes. Lovely. Yeah. And I think that's the key from from the stories is is literally that. You know, every every single no you get, you're one closer to a yes, aren't you? And just having that perseverance. Now, the thing is, it's not normal. And for a lot of people, no, seriously, for a lot of people, that's not a normal practice. But if they just got so focused and zoned in on what they wanted to achieve, you can achieve it. And it just shows you you can achieve what you want to achieve. You know, from there, I know that obviously you spent a long time in that industry, did very, very well, very successful in that industry. You then go off to start property investing. You know, do you want to just mention just mention that before we talk a little bit about the podcast that you're, you're now running? Be really keen to yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, broadcasting was great and it was fun and it paid me good wages. Um, it gave me kudos. It, gave, it, it always gave me something to talk about. You can bet your bottom dollar if you've ever worked for the BBC, you will be the focal point of a conversation at a party because it's something everybody's got in common. It's this thing in the corner of their living room as a television. And they always have a, have a comment about why do we have to have that presenter? God, that, that presenter wears some awful clothes. Do you know her? You know, and, and, and all of that. Um, I loved it. But there was always a sideline. Um, again, I grew up in a, a mid Suffolk village in the eighties where most villages in Suffolk in the eighties had a housing estate built on them because that was Thatcher's journey of, of through politics of build, 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 right to buy. Da, da, da. Um, so as a kid, I always played in building sites. Don't try this at home. Um, but, um, you know, and so I got, again, acquainted with construction and building what I thought were nice looking homes at the time and creating a nice house. Um, and it was always a sideline for me. And what happened was I, when I first got my first role in London and in, in telly, I had just bought my first time buy in Norwich and it was a 
drab little uh, top floor ex-local authority flat that I paid the massive sum of £41,000 for. Now, that don't sound like a lot of money now. That was four times my annual salary as a researcher at ITV Anglia at the time. Um, so I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even take home £1,000 a month. You know, my, my salary was tiny as a researcher. And again, because of the, the demand for the job, you could never go to management and say, hello, could I have some more, please? Because they'd just say, actually, no, because we'll get someone in who's cheaper. Um, so, you know, um, and I had to move to London and I started renting the flat out. And it paid for my life in London, really. Um, and I started creating this income. And it was like, oh, actually, I could do quite well out of this. This tiny little flat that's cost me 40 grand. Um, I'm earning five, 600 quid a month. This is a bit crazy, isn't it? Then whilst I was in Nottingham, um, my brother came to me and said, actually, I've seen a, another flat. Do you fancy going for it? And we went for it. And... Uh, renovated it, spent £3,000 on the renovation, and again, started renting it out and thinking, wow, this is, this is, we're doing quite well here. Um, and it grew from there. I bought one, one a year for about 10 years, did them up. I'm not a developer uh, of how, I, you know, I don't buy great big fields and build housing estates on. That's not me. I buy something that's rubbish and turn it into something great. Um, and that is, uh, I think every building has value. It just needs shaping into what we see it should be and, and how it should be lived in. Uh, so I've, I've over time done about 20 to 30 houses that they range from little one bedroom apartments all the way through to a 500 year old grade two listed cottage, top down renovations. Either I've kept them and rented them or sold them on. And, and, and again, quite ethically, I, I do. If I if I do have sold one, I've always sold it to a first time buyer or somebody that wants it rather than somebody that's going to use it as a cash cow. Mm. Um, quite simply because I, you know, I have to work hard for my first time buy, um, and 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 I value that, and I think it reasonable that we be allowed to to buy houses to live in. It's a rite of passage. Um, so you well, know, ended up combining the two, and, and obviously, you want to mention this that you have your your own podcast. Do you want to mention your podcast now? Yeah, and the podcast yeah. is called Homework uh, Home Colon Work. Uh, website is thehomework.co.uk. It's been extraordinarily successful. I'm so incredibly flattered and enamoured that that it's it's been so good. And we are a magazine program where we follow everybody on their property journey. Um, it started off, my first guest was a chap called Dr. Martin Skur. And I, uh, um, he, he was brilliant. He, he, him and his wife, Rachel, they had done the escape to the country. Now, Doc, Doc Martin, as he's known, is the medical advisor to the ITV show, Doc Martin. Um, and he has just sold his house and bought a complete, dump, I would argue, in the most idyllic of places, in the middle of nowhere. The drive to his home is is from the main road is four miles long. Um, and uh, it's a beaten up, derelict old farmhouse in the middle of a national park on an island. And he's in his 70s. And it was a great, great story. And, and, and you know, you, you kind of start to, on a podcast like that, start to 
to, to discover what makes people tick. You know, he's had this fantastic career, both as a GP, but also in broadcasting, advising programs like Doc Martin and other dramas that involve medical issues. Um, and uh, uh, so, and he's he's renovating that now. And I've got to go back. I put a call in this morning, actually, to go back and see him. We've had... Uh, people like Johnny Irwin from BBC's Escape to the Country, who's just moved to Newcastle, um, and, and uh, you know, from the country. <laughs> yeah, is he basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he was saying that you know, I thought I was going to sell my Hertfordshire pad, and you know, people say to me, you know, oh wow, I'm going to buy a mil- multi-million pound mansion in blooming Newcastle. No, it's not like that at all. You know, property everywhere is expensive. In the it is the yeah. end of. There is no, uh, you know, bottom line now. Um, so, and and it's it's also lots of advice about what to buy, where to buy, how to go about buying it. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, we're sponsored by Sowerby's Estate Agents of Norfolk. They are have been brilliant. They lend loads of support. Um, so yeah, and and I'm I'm impressed by the social media bounce. Of the podcast i mean I, I know some of our posts get 12 and a half 15,000 views and, and clicks so I, i'm really really pleased and uh, it's every fortnight uh, on your podcast uh, download platform of your choice <laughs> <laughs> perfect well look i think it's been uh, amazing hearing the story it's great that you've brought together your experience in broadcasting and the property journey you've been on you know, and I think there's a real story today of persistence. And if you've been listening today, you know, I think your business growth secret from today really comes from Richard's story around persistence, you know, and actually having an end goal, looking at what it is you want, and then not being prepared to accept anything other than success, right? If you cultivate that mentality, you can create it. I think Richard's really given a great example of doing that. And of course, go and check out his podcast, Homework, and you know, check it out, find out what it's all about. I'm going to have a listen myself. I know you've had some great guests on, as you mentioned, plus um, uh, from Home in, the, uh, Home in the Sun as well. And you're really, really networking and building relationships with key people in the property sector and bringing their voice and their yeah. It sounds awesome. So big thank you, Richard, for coming on. It's been thank great you. to have you on. I love the chat. You know, we've had a great chat beforehand, a great chat during. And I think it's been awesome to get to know you. So big thank you. And thank to everybody you. who's been listening today, if you've enjoyed, please don't forget to subscribe. And also make sure that you go and give us a lovely five-star review if you're enjoying the conversation. Well done, everybody. And I hope you enjoyed today's Business Growth Hi, everybody. Adam here. And I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day meeting hundreds of my clients so if you want that to be you then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on itunes please of course do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes peace and love and i'll see you very very soon thank you